Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fizzle Show. I am Corbett Barr, your host for today, and I feel like such an imposter sometimes doing the intro because I can't possibly try to pull off what Chase does with his hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show, so I just got to do it my own way. But that that works out well today because we're going to be talking a little bit about imposter syndrome. It's sort of like the uh, let's get ready to rumble guy, right? Chase has just done that so many times that I can't possibly try to compete. Plus, I'd probably have to pay him commissions or royalties or something. So you get what you get. I'm your host today, Corbett Barr. And uh, if you're new to The Fizzle Show, The Fizzle Show is where we talk about what it takes to earn a living independently doing something you love. You might call that entrepreneurship. You might call it indie entrepreneurship. You might call it just being a freelancer or just hanging out a shingle. We're not big on labels here, but we are big on building a business, doing something that you really care about. Today's episode of The Fizzle Show is brought to you by Bench, the largest bookkeeping service for small business owners like you. With Bench, a team of real humans do your books for you and deliver tax-ready financial statements so you can know exactly what the financial health of your business is every month. Bench is offering a free month of bookkeeping to Fizzle Show listeners. Sign up and Bench will do a full month of your books at no charge. Then if you decide that Bench is right for you, get 20% off your first six months just for being a friend of Fizzle. Bench does your bookkeeping for you so you can focus on running your business. You can sign up for free at bench.co slash partner slash Fizzle. Again, that's bench.co slash partner slash fizzle that'll also be in the show notes which you can find over at fizzle.co uh sorry fizzleshow.co slash 300 and i've heard from a couple of uh fizzle listeners and members who have already signed up for bench and they had rave reviews about getting their books done for a full month for free so check it out at bench.co slash partner slash fizzle and on to the topic today, I'm joined by Aiden Fishbein, who you guys have heard a couple of times recently on episodes. Aiden, say hello. Oh, hello. And uh, we also have a very special guest today who is new to the show, Jen Rayow from jenrayow.com, uh, who also has been helping out in the Fizzle community, acting as our, our uh, wrangler of member support and member success. Jen, say hello as well. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to have you here for the first time, Jen. We're going to hear a whole lot about your story in just a second. Um, but to to get on to the show, today we're talking about something that I think everybody can relate to, no matter what stage of business you're at, but especially in the beginning to sort of middle stages, and that is self-sabotage. We all get in our own way at different times, and we all um, sort of have little gremlins that are operating inside of us that we're not always aware of that are preventing us from succeeding. And this is something sometimes that's kind of hard to recognize. So today we're going to talk about what that looks like, how to recognize it. And uh, Aiden, why don't you give us a little intro of what we're up for? Yeah. yeah I mean, you almost did it kind of perfectly yourself, but yeah, you, starting a business is usually very easy because you know usually when we're starting businesses, it is something that we love or we care about. And, um, and that excitement, um, you know, the, the possibilities are, are limitless. Um, and the ob- obstacles that, that we can see that are in front of us seem pretty easy to solve because, you know, we feel in our gut, you know, they're no match for the kind of resolve that we have um, uh, because we're so excited. But, um, but as we go along, and Chase is classic, and he, he loves to say everything becomes work. Um, and when <laughs> things begin to become work, 
that's when the fear creeps in. Um, and sometimes, you know, the self-confidence begins to slip. And as we probably all know, that's when the self-sabotage monster begins to, to stir from its slumber. Um, so specifically in this episode, we are going to look at um, what are the beginning stages of self-sabotage, what the onset looks like, what are the, the warning signs, those little flags. Um, and then obviously, you know, not many of us are super, super good at, at seeing it before it starts. So um, how do we identify it as soon as possible when we're actually in it? Um, and finally, you know, we're not going to leave you there. Um, we do want to make sure that you've got some tips about how to actually get out of your own way uh, before it's too late. So um, we are going to pick pick uh, pick Jen's brain a bunch here. Um, she's got some really really interesting um, stories about this and some personal anecdotes. I won't steal too much of your of your thunder, Jen. But have I missed anything in the uh, in the setup? Does that seem seem pretty actionable? Absolutely. Perfect. Love it. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Corbett. You want to give a more intro yeah. for Jen? Yeah. So um, Jen has been on the team now for, I don't know, a couple of months or so. And um, we have been encouraging everybody on the Fizzle team to bring up different topics and ideas for show episodes. And Jen, you said that you saw one in here or, well, you saw self-sabotage on the list. And that really struck a chord with you because of something that happened recently. And I, I love this story because... I think it's rare that we get to, we, we often think about what things were like, you know, when we got started or, you know, what was going through our mind when we were uh, getting our business going, but you actually had a chance to hear a recording of what you were thinking <laughs> from a while ago. Yeah. yeah. So what was that like? Okay. So my backstory is that uh, it was September, 2016. I was, you know, working full time in corporate and dreaming, dreaming of hitting the road and working for myself for the first time. Um, and then I found fizzle in March of 2017. So all from September 2016, I was dreaming up what I wanted to do. I was researching how I could do it. Um, and I was making very, very slow progress. And then uh, finding Fizzle helped so much. But I was still um, procrastinating and having a hard time making a decision. And the recording that Corbett is talking about is uh, because Steph Crowder was my coach last year. So in April 2018, I had my first coaching call with her. And about three weeks ago, I re-listened to that coaching call. Hmm, spooky. <laughs> and I'm just a different... Yeah, I'm listening to this woman, myself, talk, but it's like it's not me. I sound weak and meek and so scared. And it's in... You can hear it in my voice that like my shoulders are hunched forward and I'm just a shell of myself. And now fast forward, so that's only in April 2018, and fast forward to now, and I'm working with Fizzle, and my own website has grown so much. I work on courage and clarity. Um, I've grown my blog. I've grown my audience. I've made my first dollar on my own website, and um, I'm just, I moved past the self-sabotage. So when I saw this when I saw this topic to talk about, I was like, oh yeah, I want in on that. I could share <laughs> <Super some> stories. <laughs> yeah. And you're making me want to go back and watch videos of myself because I know they're out there, not just things that I recorded, but conversations that I had with people from way back when. Yeah. Um, in, in that recording, 
were there things that you were identifying, not just your general kind of, you know, um, manner and uh, the way that you were talking and, and so on, but were there anything, were there things that you were recognizing you were saying that led you down a path that ended in self-sabotage or that set you up to sabotage yourself? Were there, were there answers you were giving Steph or things that you were talking about that, you know, you ended up like heading down that path when you probably shouldn't have? Yes. Uh, so two things. One was just, I was talking about how I had put work together, but I wasn't putting it anywhere. So I had written 25 blog post outlines, but I hadn't published oh, one. And that, and you can hear it in Steph's voice. She's like, okay, like time to publish. What are you waiting for? Like in, in a very nice way, obviously. Um, so just the fear of hitting publish. Uh, and I also had a fear of making decisions because, uh, as she put it, I was procrastinating. learning. So <laughs> I, I, I went into that call with notes to talk to her about how many times I had done the choosing the topic course, how many times I had done the finding my audience course. And because I didn't have a very cut and dry answer from those very helpful courses, I just assumed that I couldn't move forward. Until, mm-hmm. yeah, until I... Interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. I love that. It's, um, it, it's, it, there's a stage, I think, that a lot of us go through where you feel like the learning is the work, but really the work is the work, right? right. And <laughs> getting, getting past that is tough. Well, and it feels, um, you know, kind of accomplishing lessons in education feels like real accomplishment. And we shouldn't belittle, like, learning, but when you're supposed to be moving your feet... um it's easy to distract yourself and say, well, you know, maybe I need to learn how to move my feet better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of funny. You, Corbett and, and Chase and Steph have been, you know, uh, spewing on and on about Big Magic. I finally started listening to uh, to Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And she's, um, I think she was, you know, before the call, I was talking about um, the perfection is the enemy of, of done or you know, good is the enemy of, of, uh, of done or something like that. Um, and yeah, that, that kind of like blaming, um, y- your lack of understanding based on, um, needing more education, um, keeping you from actually doing anything, you know, learning and learning and learning and, um, and not actually doing anything. So yeah, I, I don't know. I totally, I totally relate to that perfectionism being kind of like this thing I, I think is an asset. Um, and education being this thing I think is accomplishment, but neither of those things are actually like progress, strangely enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think as, as Jen describes those, those two things that, uh, that she recognizes were sort of self-sabotage, um, they're, they're related in a way because the, the learning piece, the, the, uh, procrastinate learning as <laughs> Steph called it. I love how Steph comes up with these things. What was the name of the conference that she did recently, Jen? Oh, wisdom, business wisdom, wisdom, <laughs> biz, business wisdom. Somehow she just blurted out one day wisdom instead. And, and that's like what she decided to call her conference. Yeah. So procrastinate learning. I love that. But, um, the procrastinate learning, I think in that case is an example of, perfectionism because what you're hoping for is perfect information before you can move forward mm. right you're hoping for the uh, you know everything to become crystal clear so that 
you feel confident about moving forward. But the, the thing is in entrepreneurship, it's all about moving forward without perfect information because there are always going to be unknowns. And so it's more about getting confident Mm -hmm. in moving forward without knowing, um, all of the details. And then the being reluctant to hit publish, I think also is about perfectionism, right? Worrying that you're not yet ready to hit publish, um, partly because you don't know what your topic's going to be or, or something like that. But tell us a little more about that piece, Jen. What was what caused you to write 25 <laughs> outlines for blog posts <laughs> without putting them out somewhere? Yeah, uh, my biggest fear at the time was that I was going to publish a bunch of work that would end up being meaningless because, say, I wasn't targeting the right people. So therefore, how could I ever make money if I'm not targeting the right people? So it was very much a fear-based decision that even though I had put the work into those 25 outlines, I thought, if I don't get these out to the exact right people, this will all be a waste of time. Where now, standing on the other side of the fence, it's like, wow, every single thing you publish, you learn and you grow. And even if you write to the wrong people for a little while, that's the only way you're going to figure out your right people. I mean, some people can finish that course and fizzle and just be bang on and move forward. I know that. I see it in the forums all the time. I think that's totally possible. But yeah, if you don't get that exact right answer, the only way forward is to put some action in. So, and I, I hear it. I heard it in the, in the call with Steph. I was just, it was like a light bulb went off. She's like, you can pump like, Put one up, and I was like, "I I can." Uh, honestly, I felt like really I can. Uh, so I did, you know, in the first. <laughs> so you did, yeah, yeah. I I had an interesting question. So um, I struggle with this. It kind of from a different angle, but it's this permission thing, and I feel like I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I have a vendetta against like structured education and that whole <laughs> structure. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but um, did you feel like? Did you feel like you were waiting for permission? Oh, yes. From somebody? Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Uh, Well, and I was, and again, the whole thing with self-sabotage is I was, but I didn't realize it. But if if I look back now on waiting up until that call with Steph, it was kind of like, okay, once I talk to someone who can give me permission and set me free to move forward, then I can where now I'm learning how to give myself that permission to just put it out there. Right. Yeah. Do you, do you remember at the time, like literally thinking that you wanted someone to give you permission or it it was more like when Steph said, well, you can publish that you recognized, Oh, I think I was waiting for someone to give me that green light. Yes, that definitely, you can hear it in my voice. I just like, Oh, you know, like my shoulders dropped and I had this feeling of relief and, yeah. Yeah. So thinking back on that time, and uh, and we can open this up as well, you know, to to you, Aiden, or or maybe I'll have some examples as well. Thinking back to that time where you were sort of um, going to self sabotage yourself, were there ways that you could have recognized it? Obviously, we probably didn't recognize it, or maybe you did recognize it a little bit, but you brushed it off. Mm-hmm. Or you, you justified it, right? That's the thing about self-sabotage. It's, it's kind of like when you're in a, a nasty depression or something, there's there's a way for you to justify it, right? You, you, those little voices in your head let you keep going down that path, even though some part of you 
um, might be able to rationalize that it's it's not uh, it's not right for you. Or in the future, obviously, if you listen back, you'll you'll be able to understand that that wasn't right. But um, in the moment, was there something that that you could have identified? Was the beginning stages of that self sabotage like before? And I guess it could be action based or it could be thought based, right? Before you were even talking with Steph in that call, were there things that you were doing that that um, now you could recognize? Well, I struggled with it a lot because I journal. I journal daily, and I knew that I was holding myself back from as good as I knew I could be. But where I struggled the most was not wanting to rush the process and get it wrong versus charging ahead. So and it was almost like any time I realized that I was self-sabotaging and holding myself back, I also gave myself permission to do that so that I wasn't putting too much pressure on myself, if that makes sense. That might be a very yeah, personal reaction to it, but that is, that's my inner no, struggle. I, I think what I'm hearing from that is um, perfectionism was your... Uh, your excuse and and you know to that end i think perfectionism is a form of self-sabotage right Mm -hmm. and it's really easy for a lot of us to get into that mode because we're avoiding something else we think you know i need to just do this thing perfectly but what you're really doing is allowing yourself to spend time on that one thing so that you can avoid doing something that feels more difficult, right? You are allowing yourself to be a perfectionist about the education piece or about the um, business foundations piece so that you could avoid hitting publish because publishing is scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, man, this perfection thing, I didn't even realize how deep this went for me to <laughs> starting to talk about this. Um, and it's kind of funny too. There's some, there's a lot of serendipity currently in my life. Um, just, just about this stuff. Um, both on both sides on on you know what it's like to actually be held back by perfection and also kind of there's a lot of areas in my life because I'm moving things are like I'm moving states so there's a lot of stuff on my plate that just needs to get done it just needs to get done and you it know? can't be perfect I, it can't well literally I have a deadline of where my lease is up I've got moving trucks that just needs to get done I don't need a perfect box um, but this so there's, it's really interesting for me right now, very specifically. Um, but what you did make me think about Corbett, when you were just talking about this is that perfection, I think is so dangerous because it really does feel like a virtue, you know? Um, and it's so easy to lean on that because like, I want to be the kind of guy that respects his craft. I want to be looked at as somebody who holds his creativity in such high regard. Um, it feels like that's like being very, having lots of integrity, you know, like I, I want to defend it. I want to protect it. I don't want to show the world anything that's less than what I would deem to be worthy. Um, <laughs> but if I'm really honest with myself, like it's actually a pretty thin veneer. It's there's, there's this veil of perfection when in reality, I'm, I'm totally scared. Um, it's a cop out. I'm lazy. Um, I don't want to actually do the work. I'm scared of hitting the publish uh, button. Like you were saying, um, Jen and, um, and it's really perfection is just kind of like this blanket that just covers this all up and makes it really, really easy to justify um, not doing stuff. And then, and then I get to hold on to that because I get to say, um, 
I'm not, I'm not doing this because nothing is, and I get to judge and I get to sit and look down on others. Oh man, it is a, it is a, it is a nice little stew to sit in. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's really interesting. It's a, com- it's a comfortable stew. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, if you're just joining us, welcome to the therapy session yeah. on the physical show. <laughs> this, it, I, I, uh, I relate to this in in a way um it's not always perfectionism but i feel like i can make a million complicated projects to work on just so that i can avoid one simple one that i don't want to get to Mm. oh yeah and and so being able to occupy yourself and make make it feel like you are getting things done and you are you're accomplishing tasks but you can make this unnecessarily complicated path towards uh just to make yourself feel good so that you can avoid those those harder things even though they're probably simpler and shorter and and way more to the point and way more likely to drive results um and i think that that is true self-sabotage to me whether it's perfectionism or just inventing work uh that you can justify or you can tell yourself is important when it's probably not really the most important thing on your plate to accomplish the goals that you want if you if you really looked at them right yeah do you uh you guys relate to that do you have uh, can you think of projects that you're that you're making for yourself right now or or work about work that you're doing to make yourself feel like you're moving forward when when really the important things aren't getting done <laughs> <laughs> yes oh yes of course <laughs> don't be scared go, go ahead, Jen. <laughs> yeah well i'm at a real turning point in my own business uh, like i said i have made my first dollar but so now that big scary bit is out of the way it's like okay how do i make you know the next sale so i do yeah. find myself gravitating towards um, less projects that will get me sales results because that is still, you know, as a new business owner, that's where a lot of the fear still remains. So I'll work on other things or I'll make the sales complicate, uh, the sales process more complicated, you know, like making up little pretty pictures when I should just be writing the copy or when I should just be uh, not should I don't know if I should should say should, but when I could be directly reaching out to my audience and just asking for the sale rather than making it into this pretty little thing that you know takes me away into making pictures and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you know that you already have people on your email list, and if you push hard enough, you could get more sales that yeah. way, right? Uh-huh. Or or if you if you wrote more blog posts or um, started you know emailing people or or maybe approached some people to work with as partners or whatever, but all of those things end up being um, a potential for rejection, and we all avoid rejection like the plague, right? Not all of us, but salespeople are good at at ignoring it, but the rest of us, it seems like that's one of the things we ignore or try to avoid most, and so. We'll make all kinds of projects. I know another common thing that, that I do is, um, to tell myself that a product isn't quite ready, right? It's not, it's not quite good enough yet to go out and, and do the sales calls or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's almost always not true. And it's almost always just another way to say, well, this thing needs to be more perfect. And I can justify doing that work because I don't want to go email people or have those phone calls. Right. Yeah, no. And, and I think this is circling back in 
gosh, the serendipity is just thick. Um, <laughs> I happened to, I happened to listen to episode 99 recently of the fizzle show. Um, and mm. that's, that's Chase's. It's a really good episode. Um, but Chase, I think it's a solo or not a solo, but he's interviewing two guys about productivity journaling. Yep. Um, and it's really, it's a really powerful thing. And I think the biggest takeaway, um, just in this work about work and the productivity thing is that, um, yeah, it, you guys even talked about it recently. Are you being productive or are you just being active? And, um, as a result of, of hearing that recent episode and then going back and listening to episode 99, which I recommend, um, is <laughs> at the top of my to-do list is what is the one thing that if I accomplish today, I can just say my day is a success. That's, that's an insight directly out of that episode. It's just big, bold letters at the top of my to-do list, right? Because I'm the kind of guy that's just always more or less being beckoned by the siren call of, Hey, make another list. You know, <laughs> right. um, I love making lists. Um, and to my own credit, I do, I'm a pretty, pretty adept accomplisher of lists, but are the things on the list important? Because I'll throw a thousand things on there like dishes and laundry. And this is, you know, a work a worker from home kind of situation. Um, there's all sorts of things you can throw in the mix there. If you're disciplined about working inside your business and not doing laundry, there's still another rabbit hole um, that I deal with, which is, you know, do I do I do my expense locking or do I actually push my product live? You know, do I do I make ten outlines or do I make one and then write the post? You know, um, yeah. So so there's always a balance today. I don't think there's any blanket right answer, but um, I think that consideration of like limit the kinds of things that you feel like you need to do make those very short lists of these are the important things to do um yeah. well and and stuff like that yeah and i i think that uh it's natural for us to feel like success has to take a lot of work we we all for some reason deep down and maybe this is like kind of the way we're raised we believe that hard work is what it takes to achieve results. And, and it does, but there is such a thing as outsized results from certain activities. I mean, you know, we all have heard stories of people who are massively successful and of course they worked hard, but at the same time, they also happened upon a, a great opportunity at the right time that aligned with who they were and the connections they had and so on. And so they were able to put in hard work that was leveraged, right? It was magnified by their circumstances. And I think for us, when we're making those little lists of like, what's our priority for today? Sometimes it feels like our priority needs to be the thing that's going to take a bunch of work. We roll up our <laughs> right. sleeves and we, you know, we put our heads down. And at the end of the day, we feel really good because we, we did that work. But in reality, sometimes the most important thing on your list could be making a phone call, right? Or it could be writing that one email that you need to send. And that might only take a half hour or something, but but we still find reasons to avoid that because it's not the piece of work that we want to be doing, or it's not the one that's going to make us feel good at the end of the day for some reason. And I think that's, you know, when we talk about self-sabotage, working on things that aren't as important as others is the the very you know, underpinnings of self-sabotage. Right. Yeah. Or not having a system to define what's important versus other things. True. Yeah. True. And I love the idea that if you work on your self-awareness and you realize where you are self-sabotaging, 
you take that, whatever that task might be and put it at the front of your list. So first thing Mm. in the, like right now, my thing every morning should be related to getting a sale. And you might be at the point where you just need to be building your audience. So what's that one thing that you can start your day with so that you're building your audience? And you're not going down the rabbit hole of busy work and then maybe getting around to that one thing you really should be doing. Interesting. So starting yeah. with it. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a great, great idea. <laughs> totally, so, totally something I don't want to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like, like what I should do. Yeah. Therapy session so before, continues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so before we jump into um, ways to get out of your own way and, and more ideas and, and tips for that, let's, let's talk about what, self-sabotage looks like in other forms what are other ways that it presents itself things that you're going to be you know conversations that you'll be having in your own head or actions that you're taking that are representative of self-sabotage you guys have some other examples oh yeah (laughs) but this is jen's show go ahead jen (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say you could go uh okay so we we said imposter syndrome was a big one uh negative self-talk and, and, and imposter syndrome for people that aren't familiar, what does that mean? Just thinking that you have no right on this earth to be doing what you're doing. You're, you're, right, a, fake, you're, you're a fake and yeah. a fraud. Uh huh. Yeah. Like, who am I? Yes, why, why, why should anyone think that I it. can lead them or, yes. or have this expertise? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Aiden, what else was on our list? Go for it. I love the blaming one, man. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm such a, I'm such a terrible, terrible person, really, is what it comes down to. Um, but I, and it's, I forget when we were talking about it, Corbett, but I have this, uh, and I don't think I'm alone in this, this um, painful phenomenon where I can see myself doing things that I don't, I know are not the right thing to do. So, so for example, I have enough self-awareness to know when I'm blaming, but that does not keep me from blaming. So, for example, mm. if I'm not making progress... I'll give my wife a hard time. I will, I will, you know, um, I'll, I'll, I'll blame my clients. I'll blame my business partner. I'll blame, um, the weather. And every single time, I'm not an idiot. I'm very aware that none of these things are actually keeping me from doing what I need to do and making the real progress because I have such a visceral, um, memory of, of, you know, 10 times those odds being stacked up against me and making 10 times the progress. So, um, blaming is, is one of those things I still struggle with. Um, that is totally a sign of my own self-sabotage. Um, and I'm working on, you know, matching up that awareness with the action. Um, and usually that comes from, um, you know, I just most like, like most anything else, I have to experience enough pain, uh, from doing that. And then, then the feet start moving. So blaming is fun. Procrastinate blaming. Procrastinate blaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a good one. And and procrastination is another one as well, right? I mean, how many of us have have like wasted days and days and days because we didn't feel like it, right? Or um there was something else that that got our attention that's not even business related or you know doing like you said doing the dishes or doing the laundry or mowing the lawn or or whatever there are a million ways to procrastinate and procrastination is totally self-sabotage uh you're you're sabotaging your future self in that case right you you are enjoying a little bit of hedonistic pleasure now um so that 
you can feel good for the next hour or whatever by playing Candy Crush instead of working on something that might make you achieve a goal that would better your life months or years from now. Yeah. You know what you just got me thinking about was, um, oh man, am I going to be able to remember how this works? But, but Jerry Seinfeld, uh, likes to talk about, you know, uh, tonight, Jerry versus tomorrow, Jerry Mm -hmm. and, and tomorrow, Jerry hates tonight, Jerry, (laughs) because, (laughs) because tonight, Jerry is always trying to, trying to sabotage tomorrow, Jerry. Um, and, and this example was in the form of like staying out late and, and drinking and having hangovers and stuff. Um, and there's yep. also a old, I think, I don't know, it's probably not actually an old um, Eastern proverb, but it's um, uh, drinking is the, and this is just kind of chemical induced, um, making yourself useless kind of situation, but but drinking is the act of borrowing happiness from tomorrow today, you know? Yes. So totally. um, I, I forget exactly how to tie that back together, but um, there Drugs you have in it. general. Drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Drugs, yeah, drugs it's, bad, it's, okay? it's a form of a form of procrastination, I guess. Paying paying yourself today with what you need tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about um, Jen? Uh, undervaluing yourself is this something that you've you've experienced? Yes. So I spent way too long trying to get my services out for free, and I know the the opinions on this are very, very split. Some people swear by it. They say, you know, get mm-hmm. that practice, get your uh, your self-confidence up, you know, give yourself a way so that you can move forward in your business while other people are like, you should never give a minute of your services away for free because then you're undervaluing yourself. So it, that can be a really confusing one. But if you're building a business and undercharging and, and scared um, to charge what you're worth, I think that relates directly back to self-sabotage because then the storyline might become that you can't fulfill your, <laughs> you know, you can't pay your rent uh, and right. you're relying on your business, but you're, you know, you're not raising your prices and then, and then you give up. So it's always, these are, these are the bridge to either you deal with it and get better and move forward, or you take the self-sabotage bridge to giving up and saying, well, maybe I'm not cut out for this. It, and, you know, we, we don't all have the luxury of having a recording from a coaching session where we can listen to right. how we were self-sabotaging ourselves. But uh, a lot of us who were um, doing services for a while, or even if you were selling products, can look back on what you thought you needed to earn. Like, you know, when you first decided you wanted to go freelance, you thought, oh man, if I could just earn like 30 bucks an hour, I would be set or whatever. And then you you move forward and you go, oh, that's that's really hard to, to make a living at or if I could just sell this if I could just sell these ebooks at nine dollars then you know I'd be totally set and then you then you realize well there's a whole lot of stuff that goes into that um, you know if if you're able to charge consulting clients is x dollars per hour you're not counting all of the marketing time and all that other stuff that you have to put into it uh, and so that rate's just not going to work you know and so you're undervaluing yourself in that way and it definitely sabotages your success for a while. That one you can get through eventually by charging more and or recognizing that you're working really hard and not making enough money. Um, but in the, you know at at the time, it's pretty easy to do. I think for most of us to undervalue 
where we're going to be eventually. Oh, if I could just do, you know, build websites for a hundred dollars a piece. If I just did 10,000 of them a year, I'd be, you know, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, would be easy. I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. We had I one other, them. one, sorry, one other really powerful um, example on our list, which is when you compare your inside, so how you're feeling on the inside to others' outsides. So on your mm. inside, mm. you're scared, uh, you're indecisive, you're maybe worried and then you go and look at social media or someone else's beautiful website and all you see is their success you don't see the what they've had to overcome you don't see their challenges or their self-sabotage and you relate those two as if they should be equal as if how you're feeling on the inside should be as shiny and perfect as someone else's website which is totally. just yeah don't feel good <laughs> no not at all. <laughs> and i think you bring up a good point which is that like it is it's difficult to uh, to engage in social media in general because we are so, I think, wired to do that for some reason. I'm not sure why humans in all our uh, intellectual glory have been. It's another one of those things where I can even know, like, why why do I feel bad? That's that's the outside of somebody's life. Those are the highlights. That's Facebook. That's literally every good thing magnified with a super filter on of their life. They're not sharing the boring stuff. They're not sharing the upsetting stuff. Um, unless it's really, really dramatically upsetting. And then, you know, we get those, those glimpses too. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's very difficult. I, the same thing with blaming for me. Um, I'm fully aware every single second of my comparing to other people, comparing the way I feel and all my self-conscious and and self-esteem issues on the inside to the outside. And I know what's going on. I know it's, not supposed to be taken too much heed and I do it anyway. So I get it. (laughs) (laughs) I do it anyway. That's, that's like, you know, one way probably to identify self-sabotage is if you have that feeling like, I know this isn't good for me, but I do it anyway. Right. Right. (laughs) So let's, um, I'd love to shift gears and talk about more ways that you can identify self-sabotage and then also some tips, practical ways that you can get out of your own way when it's happening. But before we get to that, a couple of words from our sponsors. Everyone loves payday, but loving a payroll provider, that's a little weird, right? Still, small businesses across the country love running payroll with Gusto. Gusto automatically files and pays your taxes. It's super easy to use and you can add benefits and HR support to help take care of your team and keep your business safe. Listeners of The Fizzle Show get three months free when they run their first payroll. Plus, everybody knows that the end of the year is the best time to switch something like this. Switch your payroll provider at the end of the year. If you're using somebody else, sign up for Gusto. You can try a demo and you get three months for free when you run your first payroll. Just head over to gusto.com slash fizzle. That's gusto.com slash fizzle. And Rover.com is the largest network of five-star pet sitters and dog walkers in North America. Serving pet parents across the U.S., Canada, and now even Europe, Rover connects dog owners with trusted pet care whenever they need it. And here's the cool thing. Rover lets pet sitters create their own schedule, set their own rates, and choose which services they'd like to offer. You can literally earn money by watching pets around your own schedule. This could be just the kind of side income you need while getting your business off the ground. Pet sitters on Rover can earn $1,000 or more per month. 
If you're interested, check out rover.com slash fizzle to get started, and you'll be snuggling dogs in no time. You can become a sitter by visiting rover.com slash fizzle. From there, you can create your profile and start watching dogs. That's rover.com slash fizzle. All right, so let's get into ways to identify self-sabotage. We've talked about what it looks like. Um, but are there things about your body language or are there ways that you're reacting to things that you should be looking for? And then how can you get out of your own way when you do identify that it's happening? You guys have any, um, examples of this where you've noticed it happening and then something that you did to intervene? Yeah. So I worked with a different coach within the last couple of years and she was the first one that really brought up to me the idea of body language, uh, speaking to how we're reacting to a situation. So, and these things all come with repetition. So it's a way that you've been responding over and over and over again in your life. So if you can start to be more aware of it, you can make the change when you're aware of it. So my example is that when I start to lose my confidence, I I shrink, literally, like my shoulders go forward. I I physically turn into a different person. I make myself small. Uh, My voice gets quieter. I mumble a little bit more. And now after her helping me become aware of that, I can catch myself being that way bring my shoulders back, stand up tall, or even get up and go for a walk. So if I'm feeling stressed out about my business, I can change my my physical space. I can get up and walk and just, you know, take deep breaths and move so that I'm not still stuck on that seat, cowering down and being scared of mm-hmm. what I need to do next. That's yeah. awesome. And and I just, I, I wanted to talk about that body language thing too, because I don't know, again, if I was aware of this before, you've cracked my mind wide open. <laughs> um, but uh, I, when I'm, and this is this is an interesting thing. I, I don't. I'm not going to go as far as to assume this is very obviously clearly gender separated. But I, I'm way more susceptible to this blaming because I think I have an ex, uh, uh, an inflated, inaccurate sense of self confidence. So if something's not going my way, it cannot possibly be my fault. Is the delusion? Mm. Um, and I think that's a guy thing. I don't know. Um, but, but that's definitely a me thing. I'll, I'll say that. Um, and as a result of that, when I'm blaming, that is uh, out of frustration. And frustration tends to get me furrowing my brow. And if I do that all day, I end up with a headache. And uh, mm. there, have been, there have been many times when I realize I have, I have a headache. And I notice that all the muscles in my face have been like literally locked up the whole day. And I'm like, what in the world? Why am I, why would I even, why am I doing this to myself? And I think, Jen, that awareness, it totally is a practice. Um, and, and I think it's a two phase thing. Um, this is just my, my own awareness of awareness is that I, as soon as I become systematically aware over and over again of a certain thing that's uncomfortable, that's the thing that, that leverages me on that springboard to, to make me take the next steps. Um, the awareness is like, oh, gosh, I'm really this poorly equipped for, for this situation. I don't like that. Um, and eventually, eventually after seeing enough of that, I end up changing. For me, uh, the, uh, the body language thing, it's, it's maybe, not, maybe not body language, but, um, well, I don't know how to describe it other than I'll get into a mode where I feel kind of lazy. Uh, I might take a nap in the middle of the afternoon. 
Um, you know, I, I can find myself like hanging out in my pajamas in the morning and just making it easy for me to get like comfy and kind of sluggish. You know, I might find myself like watching a program in the middle of the afternoon or something. And usually that's because I'm avoiding something that I don't want to do. And I'm, I'm sabotaging that way. So I guess it's procrastination, but it's in a, it's in a comfy, cozy, lazy kind of way. <laughs> Procrastinapping. Procrastinapping. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so to get out of that, um, I have to, we actually, you, I think mentioned this the other day too, Aiden. Sometimes you have to like force yourself to get up earlier, like with the alarm clock, take a shower right away, and then maybe get out of the house and go to a coffee shop or something. And just like make yourself act like a real normal human again, and not some person that can work for themselves and do whatever they want all day. Um, to kind of go through those motions and, and tackle the day with some vigor to get through that, that hurdle or that hump that's in front of you. Yeah. Act as if is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Act like the, the person you want to be and not the slug that you are. Yeah. yeah. The procrastinator. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think it can be really helpful as well for people to think about repetitive storylines that they run through their head. Uh, mm. Storylines end up becoming excuses. So it gives us an excuse to act a certain way. My best example is that my sign, I'm a Gemini. So stereotypically where we can be flighty and indecisive so i'll find myself using that as an excuse in my business to not make decisions you know it's mm. like it puts me into a comfort zone to stay in that indecisiveness just because i'm throwing up the storyline as an excuse to not actually decide on something yeah i think um uh, people could do that uh with adhd as well there are there are lots of stories that we tell ourselves like, Oh, this is how I am. Right? right. Or this is, you know, what my life is supposed to be. And maybe that's true in some cases, in some ways, but also if you're using it as a crutch, then you're making it worse than it needs to be. Right. Right. And oh, I, totally. I don't think it has to be so extreme as, uh, so I'm the kind of person that when I had my full-time job, I was not the woman that could get up at 5 a.m. and put in a couple hours before I had my full day at work. Like, good work doesn't come out of me that way. So it's not about trying to aim to become someone you're not, but recognizing your storylines and, and leaning into them and moving through them is actually a really healthy thing to do. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that. So so we're kind of talking about two things. So So there's probably... Well, I can just, you know, I, I just mentioned it before, but one of those negative storylines for me is kind of that I'm blameless. There's no possible way I, I could be faulted You're for perfect. anything. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's the, that's the other thing. And, and the way it manifests. So it's so funny. If I'm perfect, then I'm blameless. And if I'm blameless, then it's always somebody else's fault. And then that's what gets me in that self-sabotage cycle. Right. Um, but if I, flip that you just also said that that there may be other storylines that are positive um that are kind of like buried inside of that same psychology so if i were to unpack that maybe that would look for me like okay well if i'm so blindly puppy dog like self-confident about stuff maybe i should be taking more risks you know maybe that is not uh, that doesn't compute with my risk averseness and maybe I should just try if I feel like I am this way stop being so perfect and needing to launch stuff and try more things um, because if if I if I'm 
I don't know. This is this is maybe not going to land, but <laughs> um, I, I feel like uh, I feel like that might be the the silver lining inside of the um, inside of the blameless thing. If I if I feel like I'm that invincible, why not just be a little bit more devil may care? Because I know I'm not made of glass, so I know I'm not going to break. But there's a lot of room that I don't think I explore very often uh, with regards yeah. to, to mm-hmm. taking a little bit more chances. Yeah, and um, Aiden, it's okay. Chase isn't here, so somebody needs to. I was thinking that <laughs> somebody needs to meander a little bit. It's fine. No, but I, I, I like that um, because there was a note on here about being okay with making mistakes. And mm. and uh, Jen, you brought this up earlier when you were talking about how you how you overcame the the self sabotage that you recognized in the interview you had with Steph. With Steph, but talk more about this being okay with making mistakes. What's that all about? I think that a fear of making mistakes will keep you stuck. And the more you realize that everyone that you look up to, everyone that's successful, everyone that keeps going and makes a living of this and are the people that you're striving to be like, they all made mistakes too. Every single one of them. We could go into the backstories of Corbett, Steph, I don't know Chase's that well, but you know, they didn't hit a home run on the very, very first business idea. You know, they had to learn and grow and make mistakes. And I really think that that's the dividing line between people that stay in this and become their exact version of successful that they want to be versus people that give up and think they're not cut out for it. If you think that you can't be an entrepreneur because you make mistakes or you're too scared to make a move because of being scared of making a mistake, you're just, you're not going to go anywhere. And usually the mistakes, no, no one barely notices anyways. And if they do, you just learn and move on. So I think mm-hmm. it's a part of being an entrepreneur is being okay with making mistakes. There's a um, there's a a phrase, and I, I finally just looked up who said this, but it's called shitty first drafts. Yes. Have you guys heard of this? Yes. Before? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's such a great concept, right? And um, it was written by Anne Lamott, actually in something called Bird by Bird. It was a popular book about writing called Bird by Bird, which I feel like I need to get and read more of. But I've got a little excerpt here about shitty first drafts, if you guys don't mind indulging me for a second here. Oh, please. She says, Now, practically even better news than that of short assignments is the idea of shitty first drafts. All good writers write them. This is how they end up with good second drafts and terrific third drafts. People tend to look at successful writers who are getting their books published and maybe even doing well financially and think that they sit down at their desks every morning feeling like a million dollars, feeling great about who they are and how much talent they have and what a great story they have to tell. That they take in a few deep breaths, push back their sleeves, roll their necks a few times to get the cricks out and dive in, typing fully formed passages as fast as a court reporter. But this is just the fantasy of the uninitiated. I know some very great writers, writers who you love, who write beautifully and have made a great deal of money, and not one of them sits down routinely feeling wildly enthusiastic and confident. Not one of them writes elegant first drafts. All right, one of them does, but we don't like her very much. <laughs> names. We need names. Please, names. But I, I love that idea of giving yourself permission 
whether it's to make mistakes or just to get something crappy out there. You know, we all have those things staring us in the face once in a while that we just are dreading getting to because we're worried that we're not going to be good enough. But to get there eventually, to get something out that's going to be good, we have to start somewhere. And just give your permission to, to you know, blurt it out or or puke it out on the page and, and see if you can transform it from there. Mm, yeah. And I think that, uh, I think that dovetails right into, uh, <laughs> every time I'm embracing it, um, into the, uh, into knowing when to give yourself a break, um, suggestion. I'm stealing from you, Jen, but, um, I, I couldn't help it because once again, uh, the serendipity is strong. And once again, this is, uh, this is a rip from, uh, old Liz Gilbert. Um, but it's actually, she's quoting somebody else, and I don't know exactly who this is. Maybe I'll figure this out between now and, and the show notes. But um, there was a writer who was asking for feedback from another more famous writer, very successful one, right, that, that you know, couldn't have possibly have shitty first drafts or anything like that. Um, and they were bemoaning the hard work that they've put in and, and the lack of success that they've gotten out. And they're like, well, what should I do? And please, please, please don't tell me to persevere. Um, and just to summarize the answer of, of the, the elder writer that was given the feedback, it was like, maybe you should give up. Maybe you should quit. Uh, if only temporarily, it doesn't seem to be uh, providing the joy. And, and joy is, is maybe more important than whether or not you get accolades um, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, and then he said, if you can't find another passion, maybe you do need to come back. And then, only then should should you persevere <laughs> but definitely extracting myself from situations that i've felt uh, i've been banging my head head against the wall and i'm i'm the kind of person that my default is that if i've been banging my head against the wall it's only a couple more bangs before i'm through <laughs> right <laughs> that's that's the thought process um and, and that has never been the case i've never succeeded to bang my head all the way through the wall it only ever occurs when i when i step back maybe that's a, a year break maybe that's a, a week or a day break um, but when you give yourself kind of a physical break from that, um, I think you alleviate a lot of that pressure um, that we're putting on ourselves because, man, I'll always put way more pressure on myself than anybody else is. Um, and I think that's the whole point here with self-sabotage. So, um, yeah, really, really trying to get an objective perspective as to whether or not um, I should persevere or should continue to, to give myself a break. And maybe then the curiosity is allowed to bubble back to the surface and I go in another direction and I realize my true passion elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Aiden, uh, any other final thoughts before we say goodbye? I, I think that was my final thought. <laughs> okay. That's what I, that's what I felt. Jen, how about you? <laughs> Uh, I think that self-awareness is key. So any way that you can tap into yourself on a daily basis, whether that's uh, just getting officially meditating or just sitting and being okay with some silence around you, uh, journaling, taking the Fizzle Journal course if you haven't already, um, but learn about yourself so that you can run your business the best way possible and be able to pick up on where you're self-sabotaging. It's possible. If I can do it, anyone yeah. can do it. Man. Ooh. So tough on yeah, myself. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we forgot to mention at the top of the show, and I can hardly believe it, but this is episode 300 Ooh. of The Fizzle Ooh. Show. Yay. And uh, if you could wrap up The Fizzle Show over 300 episodes with a theme, it would probably be about that inner game of being an entrepreneur and how um, instructive it is about personal growth and how much personal growth you have to do to succeed as an entrepreneur. So 
this was a, a perfect episode, I think, to wrap that up. And if you're listening to this and you've enjoyed The Fizzle Show over the past 300 episodes, we would love if you left us a review over at iTunes. You can visit uh, fizzleshow.co slash 300 for all the show notes. From there, you'll find a link to our iTunes page. You can just uh, click the number of stars that you think our show is warranting, um, or you can leave a written review as well if you would like to do that. We appreciate it. It helps our show get discovered by more people who are out there trying to earn a living doing something they love. And uh, with that, as always, I'm Corbett Barr. Thank you, Aiden. Thank you, Jen. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll talk to you next week on The Fizzle Show. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.